amazing grace shall always be my song of praise for it was grace that bought my liberty i do not know just why he came to love me so he looked beyond my fault and saw my need i shall forever lift mine eyes to calvary to view the cross where jesus died for me how marvelous the grace that caught my falling soul he looked beyond my fault and saw my need forever christ shall be my hope and longing joy for me he died and raised to live again with my whole heart i give myself a sacrifice he is my rock and only righteousness i shall forever lift mine eyes to calvary to view the cross where jesus died for me how marvelous the grace that caught my shall forever lift mine eyes to Calvary to view the cross where Jesus died for me how marvelous the grace that caught message amen he looked beyond our fault and saw our need and boy i'll tell you what isn't that a wonderful thing my if he wouldn't look past our faults if he wouldn't have been able to forgive us because of the blood of christ we'd all be in a mess wouldn't we a real mess luke chapter 2 luke chapter 2 beginning verse 8 i'm going to start there today again let me just give you a very brief update uh, on what's going on obviously in our uh, process or progress of the building Again, things are moving along well. Our, our, our carpet, unfortunately, is coming in a lot slower than we'd anticipated. It's going to hold us up some. But here's the thing. We're hoping, uh, looking forward to getting our occupancy permit before end of month. 
That's what we're looking to do, which means that we'd be able to get into the buildings by end of month. Uh, the thing is, is this, I don't want in by the end of the month. Now, listen to what I'm going to say to you. Please hear me out first. I don't want Christmas to be our first service over there because we're going to have people on vacation. We're going to have leaders off on vacation. We're going to have no opportunity to put the, the things in place to make it click. And honestly, I don't want our first impression to be one of confusion. All right, now listen, again, I, I understand. Even if we can't, and, and we, we have good reason to believe we're going to have that occupancy permit before end of the year. But I don't want to take a chance either on setting it all up, getting moving forward for that, and then have to go, oh, we're not getting in. I don't want to do that to you or me. I'm, this phone just made a weird noise. It's one of those, the one you got me. So I'm still trying to figure it out. I just got it on last night. So anyway, it made a weird noise. But anyway, uh, now it's not showing me the time. Okay, there, that's better. All right, so anyway... <clears throat> Oh, that's right. You just texted me. That's what it was. Yeah, I'm sorry. Don't be doing that now during the service, all right? I know how this works now. I figured it out. You can, you can text people and do all kinds of stuff with this thing right here. So when you guys are looking at your watch, I'm going, hey, they're checking the time. No, they're not. They're over here playing video games or something else. I, I caught you. I know what you're doing now, see? But anyway, uh, so it looks like here's what we're going to shoot for, and, and, and here's what we want to do. Uh, I've discussed this with Brother Kavanaugh, and we, we've kind of got an idea. What our goal is really is to be in the last Sunday of, of January. We want to give ourselves time to put some things in place and get things ready to go. And so we're looking at the last Sunday of January, which will be our first service. That's what we're shooting for. And again, it does depend on whether or not we get that occupancy in time, which it should be by the end of the month. If it does, then we'll have plenty of time to work on some things that need worked on and get ourselves ready for that move. So that's what we're looking at. Lord willing, by February or the end of uh, January of next year, when you come back and I come back from the new year, uh, boy, we're only going to have a few weeks and then all of a sudden, boom, it's on. Now, that means there's going to be work to be done. It means we're going to have to get some things moved. We may have to ask for your help for some things. Uh, but then on the other hand, uh, like I say, we're going to try to make it as smooth a transition as possible. But uh, we're excited about that move. And of course, it helps us to understand now how to proceed with this building as far as leasing, selling, and that kind of thing. If you know somebody that's interested in a purchase of a building, this it will be and is for sale. And uh, now that we know a date, we can actually say it's available by. Uh, and then also, <clears throat> you know, we've got um, um, also potential for leasing. You know, we, if we can't sell it, we're going to have to do something with it. I don't want setting empty uh, that way either. So if, if that's something that you know somebody that's interested in possibly leasing, let, them, let us know and we'll work with that as well, okay? Uh, just uh, so we want to do what's best. I don't want to be a landlord. I know the church doesn't want to be a landlord, but I'm not going to just give it away. Okay, we're not just going to, oh yeah, you want it for 150 grand here, take it. No, we're not doing that, okay? If that's the case, I'll buy it, move into it, and live here. Make it my permanent residency, 14,000 square foot of home. The biggest house this side of the Mississippi. But anyway, <clears throat> Luke chapter 2, verse 8, please. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. It came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Why the shepherds? I mean, why not kings and why not magistrates? Why not somebody that was well-known? Somebody that had influence and could impact a number of other people? Why simply shepherds? Why the shepherds? We know the wise men would not really come for over probably another year They would find Jesus not in Bethlehem and in a stable, but in a home. But these lowly shepherds, these lowly shepherds had the privilege of seeing Jesus face to face. They were summoned by an envoy from heaven. God himself requested their presence. That's amazing to me. They were given the privilege of being in his presence and seeing the Savior face to face. How you and I need that same experience. How we too must see him face to face. We need to have that experience regularly, consistently. Why the shepherds? Well, this morning I would like to offer just a few suggestions of why they were summoned. I mean, why they were so privileged, why they were permitted this tremendous opportunity. Why the shepherds? Let's pray and we'll bring up just a couple of reasons. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for this time together. And Lord, uh, thank you for... Uh, just the privilege to gather in your house and thank you for your blessed book, the Word of God. And Lord, help us, Father, as we consider why the shepherds. May we, Father, be able to apply truth to our own lives, our own hearts. Father, help us to be in a position like the shepherds, to be literally in the presence of the Lord Jesus. Father, we need you today. Lord, if there be any that are without you, that are lost without Christ, that have never trusted and received the Lord Jesus as Savior, may they do that today. And for the believer, Lord, who feels they're on the outside looking in, may they realize, Lord, that you want them on the inside with you, close and walking with you and seeing you face to face on a regular, consistent basis. Father, we need you now. Bless us in this next moment. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Why the shepherds? A number of reasons, but I want to just bring out just a couple of them. First of all, why the shepherds? Because they were in the same country. They were in the same country. The Bible says, and there were in the same country shepherds. From the very beginning of the passage, we're uh, afforded the uh, knowledge or the, uh, 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 the understanding that these shepherds were close at hand. It's believed that they were just outside the city, certainly not more than just a mile or two away. It wasn't like they were in another distant country. No, they were there in the immediate country. They were in the same country. 
If you and I are ever going to see Jesus Christ, if you and I are ever going to fellowship with the Lord, if we're going to be face to face with Him on a regular, consistent basis, then we must be born again. And as a result, that makes us in the same country with the Savior. You say, what do you mean? Well, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. There's something about being a believer. There's something about being born again. Something about being in the family of God. And all of those refer to the same position. Those shepherds found themselves in the presence of God. Those shepherds found themselves face to face with Jesus because they were in the same country. And I want you to know that as a person, a creation of God, it's not enough to just simply be a creation. You have to be converted. You have to know Jesus Christ as your Savior in order to be in the same country. Look at what it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should shew forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Notice again, they're strangers and pilgrims. According to the passage, you and I as believers, as those that know Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are simply pilgrims in this world, and a pilgrim doesn't set stakes and build his foundation and his life and his home in this place. No, a pilgrim is always on the move, headed to another location, headed to another place. And may I say, you and I are pilgrims in this world. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. This is just temporary for me. According to the passage, we're pilgrims. But in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5 and 6, we read, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, or made us alive together with Christ, by grace you're saved, verse 6, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The Bible teaches that as believers in Christ, we may be living on this earth for the time being. However, because we are in Christ, we are with Christ seated in heavenly places. Did you get that? Because we are in Christ Jesus, we are also seated with Christ in heavenly places. What that means is, again, that this is not our home. I mean, we're in a different land, a different country. And may I say that His country and this country is a different country. You need to be born again. You need to be saved so that you too are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And therefore, you're now in the same country. Consider Jesus' high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, verse 14. Turn there if you would, please. John chapter 17, verse 14. Consider the prayer now. Jesus is praying for His disciples prior to His ascension and returning back to the, the right hand of the Father. Notice what He says here in His prayer. Notice how He describes and addresses you and I and His own. John 17, verse 14, the Lord says, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, (laughs) even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the uh, the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. In this prayer, of course, Jesus clearly states the fact that you and I, as his children, are not of this world. 
See, when we were born again, we were born into the Lord Jesus Christ. We were baptized into His body. We became the child of God. And the truth is, we have a new country. We are a citizen of heaven now, not a citizen of this earth. Oh, I know I'm a citizen of the United States, and I have every right to vote, and I have all the rights of citizenry. But the reality is today is that my first and foremost citizenship is in heaven today. We're not of this world. See, if you're going to see Jesus face to face, if you're going to have an encounter with the Lord, if you intend to literally walk with God and see God and fellowship with God, then my friend, you've got to get in a different country. You've got to be part of His country. You've got to be saved out of this sinful flesh and away from this sinful world and you have to become a citizen of heaven because when you're in Christ Jesus, then that means you're seated with Him. In heavenly places. Why? I mean, why the shepherds? Well, they were in the same country. They were close by. How close are you to him today? Number two. Why the shepherds? Well, they were where they were supposed to be. They were where they were supposed to be. The Bible tells us that they were abiding in the field. Now, these were shepherds. I mean, I don't think we'd have to poll too many people to figure out where shepherds belong if they're going to do their job. They belong in the field with the sheep. They're shepherds. I mean, it'd be hard for a shepherd to do his job if he wasn't in the field. If he wasn't where he's supposed to be, how could he care for the sheep? These particular shepherds were abiding in the field. They were where they were supposed to be. By the way, you know, as believers in Christ, as Christians, we're supposed to be in church. I mean, you realize that as believers, as Christians, we're to be in the Bible, the Word of God, right? I mean, we're to be in it on a regular, consistent basis, not just on Sunday morning, not just maybe even on Sunday night or Wednesday night. We're to be in the Word of God consistently, daily. I mean, as believers, as Christians, we're to be not only in the church and in the Bible, we're to be in prayer. We should be getting on our knees. We should be begging God to do something if you can't get on those knees because you just can't simply get off of them once you get on them. Then you need to at least be going to God's throne in prayer. I don't care if it's in an easy chair or in your bed. I don't care where it's at, whether it's in the car. You need to be in a fellowship and a communication with God. You need to be praying because that's where Christians belong. They belong in prayer. Not only that, do you know that Christians... Children of God belong in the center of God's will. As we're obeying the Lord, we're following His footsteps, we're doing all we can to be pleasing in His sight. We're where we're supposed to be. We're in God's house, we're in the Bible, we're in prayer, we're in the center of God's will. And that's how you'll see Him face to face. That's how you'll walk with Him and how you'll talk with Him. That's how you'll finally be in a position where it's time to meet with Him and you'll have access to Him. Because you are where you're supposed to be. See, the shepherds, I mean, why the shepherds? Why not the kings? Why not some of the magistrates? Why not some other people? Hey, I'll tell you what, the Bible specifically tells us that they were in the same country and they were abiding in the field. You where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there? Not just 
even in your Christian life, but in your secular life. And again, I, I hesitate to say it that way because that's how we separate things. But may I say today, there is no distinction between your Christian reality and your secular reality. You are always a child of God. You are always on duty. You're always on call. You are a child of God first. When you go to work, you go to work as a Christian. When you uh, are interacting with your wife in fellowship with her, you are acting as a Christian. When you're interacting in fellowship with your children, you are acting as a Christian. When you are walking with men and women and having a time of fellowship with them, you are still a Christian. You can't separate things. Well, right now I'm at work. I'm not at church. So, no, you're still a Christian. Don't separate this, your Christianity from what you do. It's not just a Christian when you're at church or when you're serving in the work of God. You're a child of God 24-7, seven days a week. Let me ask you today. Are you where you're supposed to be? You want to see Him face to face? You want to have the proper fellowship and relationship with Christ that you desire? Then you must be in the same country. You've got to be saved. And number two, you have to be where you're supposed to be. Number three, why the shepherds? Well, they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. Okay, they were in where they were supposed to be, and we kind of touched on this, but they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. I mean, shepherds keep watch over sheep. You don't stay a shepherd if you don't keep watching sheep. And so here they were doing their job, just like they were supposed to. It wasn't nothing grand. It wasn't something big. It wasn't like there was a sign that pointed, see the shepherds, big time job. No, matter of fact, often shepherds were the youngest of the family. Often shepherds were those who had the least amount of influence in the home even. They were stuck out there on the backside of the desert taking care of the family sheep. And there, all of a sudden, all the, the first brother and the second and the third were given responsibilities and opportunities to lead. They were just simply caring for the sheep. But may I say they were in the same country. May I say today, not only were they there, but they, they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. And, and you know what? God will meet with you when you're doing what you're supposed to do and you're where you're supposed to be. Uh, you know, we're joking about the old watch here. And uh, if, I, if I'm flicking my wrist all around, it's because you've got to do stuff to get it to come up. Right? Because like right now it's not on, but I've got to go. There it is. So when I start going like that, you know, I'm trying to see what time it is. But wait a second, now here you are. You're where you're supposed to be today. And that's good. And you know what? You, you know, the Lord's going to speak. And you have opportunity to see Him and hear Him and experience Him. But wait, you might be here, but you also have to be doing what you're supposed to be doing. Because if you're in the sound booth, playing on the internet, you ain't going to see him. Oh, you're where you're supposed to be, but you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. If, if, you're, if you're checking out here in the auditorium your, your fantasy football league, when you're supposed to be listening and focusing on the Word of God, you're not going to see him. You're not going to experience him like you ought to. See, it's not enough to just be where you're supposed to be. You have to be doing what you're supposed to be doing. It's not enough to simply be a husband. you got to do what a husband's supposed to do. 
It's not enough to just simply be a wife. You've got to do what a wife's supposed to do. It's not enough just to be a child. You've got to do what a child's supposed to do. And we all know what that is. Obey and honor. Well, I'm a good child. No, you're not. If you're not obeying, you're not honoring your, family, your parents. Oh, listen, you can be at home where you belong. But if you are not have a spirit of submission, then you aren't going to see God face to face as a child. Say, I'm a child of God and I'm a 14-year-old. Well, then you better get obeying your parents because you can be where you're supposed to be. But if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, God will never bless and honor that. I don't know about you, but I want to be like those shepherds. I want to see him face to face. I want to be in his presence. I want to be able to have the power and the, 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 the presence of God in my life. And I think you do too, or you wouldn't be here. They're doing what they're supposed to do. You know, the Bible tells us that we're workmen. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 says, Study to shew thyself approved unto God, a workman needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It says that we're warriors. We're warriors, 2 Timothy 2, 3, and 4. The Bible says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. I mean, we're in a battle today. We're in a, a fight for our life. We're in a fight for the cause of Christ. I mean, if we're just sitting down on the job, we may be in God's house and we may be doing uh, where we're supposed to be, but if we're not standing like and doing what we're supposed to be doing, how can we expect God to bless us? I don't know about you, but when my children obeyed me as a parent, it only encouraged me to want to do for them. But if they were being rebellious and disobedient to me and my authority or my wife's authority, let me tell you something. Good luck getting anything worth having in my house. About the only thing you're going to get is something you don't want. You know, we're worshipers, Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The Bible tells us as believers we're to be willing servants. Willing servants. In Philippians 2, 5 through 7, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And the next time you get a little upset about being a servant, the next time you feel like you're being taken advantage of by people, why don't you think about Jesus who you took advantage of? Why don't we just remember what he did as creator of all the universe, came down and submitted himself to fallen man, served us. Of all things, he served us. I'm glad Jesus didn't expect a pat on the back because all he got was a crown of thorns. I'm glad he didn't just want some affirmation because all he got was some nails in his hands and feet. I'm glad he didn't want somebody to elevate him and lift him up in pride and say, you are all that Jesus. No, he still did what he did, even though they only lifted him up to crucify him. We've got to be doing what we're supposed to be doing, whether it's comfortable or not, whether it's accepted or not, whether people appreciate it or not. Let's just be doing what we're supposed to be doing. And let God summon us into his presence again and see him face to face. Hey, listen, the, these shepherds, why, why the shepherds? Well, they were in the same country. 
They were where they were supposed to be. They were doing what they were supposed to be doing. And number four, they were available. They were available. Luke chapter 2, verse 9. Let's read there for just a moment. Back to our passage here. Luke chapter 2, verse 9. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. Verse 9, chapter 2, the book of Luke. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. <laughs> Has God ever manifest himself in a way that it almost scared you? You're like, whoa. You ever been there? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I'm not sure everybody has been there. I don't know if that's how it works. But boy, I'll tell you what. God is so big and He does such amazing things that sometimes, although we should be living by faith, even we are amazed. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and the angel, verse 10, said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace, goodwill toward men. It came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. You know, i got to believe that... From the time these men, and I believe they were young men, the time that they were uh, just children in their home, they were taught responsibility. They were taught that, man, you start a job, you ought to finish it. They were taught when you're on the job, you work hard. You give a good day's work for a good day's pay. And even if it's a little bit of pay, you still work like you're getting paid a million because that's called character. And I believe that they had responsibilities that honestly were important and imperative and necessary and needful, yes. But it's amazing to me how they were somehow able to do something. Somehow they were able to say, I'm still available. I'll go. Man, you've summoned me. You've told me about the Savior. I'm going. And I know I've got that responsibility to care for the sheep. And I know there's still work to be done over here. But I'm not going to allow it to keep me from seeing Jesus face to face. Oh, I'm not going to neglect my responsibility. But I'm not going to allow my responsibility to keep me from seeing Him. How many times have believers allowed their earthly responsibilities to keep them from seeing Him face to face? from having fellowship with Him as they ought, to enjoying His person, His power, and His presence in their life. And they'll use the excuse, well, I have responsibilities. I can't free up. I don't have time. I'm not available. You know what? i got to believe if some lowly shepherds on the back who, I don't know if they had to create some kind of, I don't know, fence system. I don't know what they had to do to keep the sheep there and safe in their absence, but they made themselves available to God because He called out to them. He summoned them, and they said, Man, if we have an opportunity to see Jesus, if we have a privilege of being in the presence of God Himself, Emmanuel, we're going! We'll let nothing keep us from accomplishing that and seeing Him. The Bible tells us not only did they come to Him, but they came with haste. Again, they left all and went to the Savior. 
Be careful that you don't allow your earthly responsibilities to keep you from experiencing the presence of God. Be available to God. Be available to Him. Finally, I want you to notice again, we touched on it already, Luke chapter 2, verse 17. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. Now just before that, the Bible says they came with haste. But then it says, and when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. So they begin to share with others what the angel had said and share with others how the angels then had, had honored and glorified him. And boy, they just began to tell people what they had experienced and what they had seen and what they had, had uh, uh, noted. And the Bible goes on to say, And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned. They returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. And it was told as it was told unto them. These were anxious, anxious shepherds now. They were fired up. They had come with haste and they had left with high praises. They went telling everybody they could what they had seen and what they had experienced. You know, God always approaches a sincere person that's honest, that's genuine. He approaches people who are anxious to hear from Him and to meet Him and to fellowship with Him. If I tell God no and I tell Him I want nothing to do with Him and I don't allow or avail myself to His presence, His power, or His person, let me tell you, sooner or later God says, fine, do what you've got to do. But I'm going to tell you something. If you are anxious to be in His presence, He will summon you and He will allow you to be with Him. Not just in death, but in this life too. These shepherds were anxious not only to be with the Lord, but they were anxious to tell others about Him. Isn't that amazing? Yesterday, I don't remember how many trusted Christ, but I heard from our singles class some testimony of some of the singles that went out yesterday. I don't know who they were with, out door knocking, but they had the opportunity to lead folks to Christ. Listen to me. I'm telling you what, it's a wonderful thing when you have the privilege of opening the Word of God and sharing with someone what He has done for them because you know what He did for you. And that makes you excited. Man, Jesus changed my life. Jesus gave me a new lease on life. Jesus gave me a home in heaven and He's in my heart. I thank Him. And you tell somebody about them. Anxious. They were anxious. I mean, why the shepherds? Well, if they were anxious to praise the Lord. <laughs> Boy, these shepherds, they, they were in the same country. They were where they were supposed to be. They were doing what they were supposed to be doing. They were available. And they were anxious. Will you be found in a position to be face to face with Him? Will you allow yourself that opportunity? Let's put our Bibles away. We're done. All the Bibles away. We'll just sit here today for a few minutes because it's early. And we'll just not take off and leave real quick. But let's just let God do something in our life today. Let's not distract others.
Will you allow God the opportunity to summon you? Will you put yourself in a position to hear from Him? I mean, maybe you're a child of God and you've honestly been rebellious. It happens. We've, we've all been there. Maybe, maybe we're there now. I mean, only God and me knows that about me and only God and you knows that about you. Uh, well, take that back. If you're rebellious and it's open, then others know you're rebellious too. You, that's not judging. That's just observing. But the question is today is, have, have you and are you availing yourself to him? Are you in the same country? Have you first been saved? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Are you in Christ and therefore being in Christ you are seated with him in heavenly places? You need to be saved if you're not. You have to trust Christ. If you don't trust Christ, then you're trusting yourself or someone or something else to get you to heaven, to wash your sin away. I'm telling you, I promise you, according to the word of God, you search it out all you want, but you cannot get to heaven without Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by him. Get in the same country. But then, are you where you're supposed to be? Do you avail yourself to the services, the places where God would have you to be? He gave us some apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers for the edifying of the saints, for the work of the ministry. He gave you a gift today, the church and the leadership. That's a gift God gave you according to Ephesians 4. Will you allow yourself to be in a position, a place, where you're where you're supposed to be to get what God wants? Will you be in your place in the morning or in the evening when you sit down with the Word of God? Will you find yourself in that place every day? And then, when you are where you're supposed to be, are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? So when you're at work, are you working or are you talking about things you should just, you're talking about things that aren't work-related? I mean, are you on your phone talking to your family while you're supposed to be working? You can be in the right place, but you're not doing the right things. And you know what? Are you, have the Word of God open? seated in front of the Bible, but your mind is everywhere else and you never, never truly do what you're supposed to be doing. We, we want to hear from God today. I think you do too and I do too. So let's be where we're supposed to be. Let's be doing what we're supposed to be. Let's be available and let's be anxious to hear from God today.